We are wrapping up uh, our series around the well. Uh, many times uh, in the life of the well, these past nine years, someone said, why are we named the well? And I get to tell them why we're named the well, and that's what we've done in this series. We've talked about why are we named the well and, and kind of what is core to who we are as the well. Uh, we looked at John chapter 4, and the woman at the well, she was an outcast, uh, uh, but, but God brought her into community around the well. Uh, we know that people gather for community around the well. We want to be a place where community flourishes, but, but we're not at an insider group, but we're always bringing in outsiders. Uh, then we looked at John chapter 7 and how Jesus stands up and he says, I am living water, salvation itself. You find life in me and no one else, he says. And we want to be a place where people would find life in Christ and he would overflow into their lives through us. And then we looked at how the Lord poured out the Spirit on us and, and how we might be a church that, that blesses the city, that, that the overflow of God's grace into us would make us a place where we would demonstrate and declare the gospel to those around us here in Silver Spring. And as we named ourselves the well, we, we thought, man, that just kind of makes sense that we're Silver Spring as well, uh, that we would overflow into this area, the very good news and grace of the gospel. Uh, so we will close things out this morning in Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is one of my favorite passages. It's about our good shepherd. Because if you don't know it, uh, most wells are dug by shepherds. Because when sheep are in the arid land of uh, the Judean countryside in southern Israel, uh, uh, that, that, man, they need water. And a shepherd says, I'm going to provide the water that my flock needs. And he digs a well. It's actually Jacob's well where uh, the Samaritan woman uh, met Christ and found water that would uh, quench her thirst forever. It was around Jacob's well in John chapter 4 where the woman at the well met our Savior, the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ. So we will look at uh, what is life around the well as we follow our Good Shepherd together. And I think we're at a really kind of opportune moment uh, because... This past year and a half was brutal. I mean, it was just brutal. And if you're like me right now, you're still in a bit of a fog from it. You know, because you spent all these kind of uh, knee-jerk reactions and critical decisions where it had to be made on the fly. And, and we were always playing catch-up, every one of us in our personal lives, as a church, in our families, in our workplaces. How, how will we navigate life? Every, every schedule was shredded. There was uh, no routine. And, and still probably you're feeling the weight of it uh, in a bit of a fog that hangs over you as this past year uh, now kind of floats away. But we're in this summer season now where things are beginning to open up and masks are coming off and vaccines are going in. And, and we're in this space where you have a little bit more flexibility with your schedule. And what I'm hopeful for us, each one of us, and as a church, is that we would take this summer to drink deep of our Savior and walk really closely with our Lord that our words would echo that of David's in Psalm 23. Where we would taste of him, enjoy him, where he would restore our soul in a new way. And so my uh, hope is this, that at the end of the summer, we would look back and say, he has restored my soul. I know him so intimately, so deeply, so personally. that our words would echo those of David's.
So what we'll do this morning is we will, well, we're just going to enjoy the psalm. <laughs> we're going to enjoy Psalm 23. And then I'm going to give us two tangible, very tangible ways to, to enjoy our Savior at the end of the sermon. And that we'd enjoy the psalm, Psalm 23, and then we would say, well, how do I enjoy my Savior this summer? That my words might echo David's and we might know Jesus in a new way as my shepherd and I shall not want and my soul would be restored. So if you have your Bibles, and I'd encourage you every Sunday to bring your Bible. Uh, you can have it on your phone, that's wonderful. But man, i just say, buy yourself a paper version. Uh, read it by candlelight at night. Get out your abacus, you know. I, uh, go back in time a little bit. Enjoy slowing down and sitting with the Lord in paper. Uh, bring it, and let's read Psalm 23. Let's hear these words. I'm going to read them twice, that they might sink into our souls. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As we enjoy the psalm, let's let it sink in one more time. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's enjoy the psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, we are quick to say, you've got to make the Lord your shepherd. He can't just stay this abstract God, this king in the sky who floats above yours, abstract from you. He has to become your shepherd. He has to be my shepherd. Hey, give him that privilege of being your shepherd. When first we ought to say, there is no way that I should be a sheep. <laughs> I have no right to be in his flock. There is no way that the creator God, king of the earth, would, would be my shepherd. I should not have this privilege. There are two trillion galaxies, NASA estimates. One, the Milky Way, contains anywhere, this is hilarious, between 100 and 400 billion stars. 
250 million times, 250 million stars everywhere. The Creator King, our God, is so vast and mighty and massive, yet He is also our intimate Savior who ran towards you and towards me when we were running away from Him. He knows every hair on your head. He chased you down when you were chasing other shepherds. When you and I were building security on our jobs, when you and I were building validation in our relationships, He said, I want that one. The Creator King became our Savior. He lays down His life to make you and I His son and daughter. And it doesn't stop there. He then sustains us and walks with us and and is seated at the right hand of God and petitions for us. Our Creator King has become our Savior and is our sustainer. Why would He not be my shepherd then? I never should have been a sheep. Yet He made me His own. You are my shepherd, David says. David, who is a shepherd himself. A shepherd who became a king who had it all, uh, who says, I, I, I have been a shepherd, now I have everything, but you, Lord, are the one I want to direct every piece of my life. I, I've read this the past week, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. It's it a great book, and, and this guy had been a shepherd for multiple years in his life, and so he, he gives all these insights about sheep. It's, it's really fun. He says this, In memory, I can still see one of the sheep ranches in our district, which was operated by a tenant sheepman, a hired hand. He ought never to have been allowed to keep sheep. His stock were always thin, weak, and riddled with disease or parasites. Again and again, they would come and stand at the fence, staring blankly through the woven wire at the green, lush pastures which my flock enjoyed. Had they been able to speak, I'm sure they would have said, Oh, to be set free from this awful owner. They longed to have a shepherd who cared for them this way, who, who, who led them. And made them lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. This is why I shall not want. He is my shepherd. He is my provision. He makes me. He makes me. I love that. Even when I don't want to. (laughs) He makes me lie down in green pastures. A sheep needs a few things in order to lie down and be still and enjoy a green pasture. He needs uh, food and water and safety. If you've ever seen a sheep before, you know they've got hooves. Not really good for protecting themselves. Uh, They're fat. They're little animals covered in wool, and they just walk around kind of aimlessly. They'll follow each other off a cliff, and, and, and the shepherd has to do everything necessary for their care and protection and flourishing. Without the shepherd, they're nothing. They're as good as dead. He says, come lie down in green pastures. I remember bringing home Jacob, our firstborn son. And it was like a sack of potatoes. You just sit him there. If you don't do everything for him, he's done. Sheep are the same kind of way. What we see through this passage is is if the shepherd is not the one giving himself with with skill and and sovereignty and sacrifice over and over for the sheep, they are toast. 
He makes us lie down in green pastures and gives us food and water and safety. One of my favorite illustrations of how a shepherd does this. Uh, really, even as Jesus talks about it in John chapter 10, it comes out of this idea that a shepherd, what, what he would do is he'd take, take his flock often and, and would create kind of a sheep pen for them. And there would be like a, a wall of a cliff uh, behind them that would make one of the walls. And, and then he would stack up stones to make another wall about yay high. And then uh, stack up stones over here so three walls are made. And, and bring the walls together so there's a, a, a gate about yay wide. And then what the shepherd would do is he would lie down, himself becoming the gate for the sheep pen, and fall asleep and, and have all the sheep inside the pen safe and secure. And he himself would become the door that, that if a jackal or a lion were to get at the sheep, it would have to go through him. Literally laying down his life for the protection, the provision of his sheep. This is the picture we get here. That he brings us to green pastures. He takes us in and out. Provides every piece of what is necessary for our provision, our safety, our life itself. He makes us lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. He leads me beside still waters. A, a sheep, well, they've got kind of three sources of water. Dew in the morning or, or, or a stream that might go through the arid countryside or, or a well that the shepherd himself has dug. Uh, we, most people don't know it, but sheep can uh, survive for months on end with just dew. <laughs> They'll wake up in the morning and, and go out and, and graze and, and lick the dew off thorny bushes even, right? And, and they'll get just enough to make it by. But, but if they have a skilled shepherd, a sacrificial shepherd, a sovereign shepherd who, who knows the land super well, he'll, he'll take his sheep to where streams flow and there might be waters of rest, the verse can be translated, where they can sit beside waters and find rest with their shepherd. And if they've got a shepherd, man, who's given uh, the past few days and months and even years to dig deep wells and sacrifice to himself, sovereignly placing them along the, the root of his sheep, uh, he can take them there and they can drink deeply of these still restful waters, satisfying the soul of his sheep. It's just what... It says the result is, right? He restores my soul. We sit with him and drink deep of his provision. Our soul is restored. Be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I am God. He leads us beside still waters. He also leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads us in paths of righteousness, which means we would not have naturally walked these paths without him. He must lead us. He must redirect us and take us from this path to that path. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We were walking on unrighteous paths. It's, it's our natural inclination. It's our habit. I, uh, back to the shepherds, look at Psalm 23. On page 88, Keller says this. Just as sheep will blindly, habitually, stupidly follow one another along the same little trails until they become ruts that erode into gigantic gullies, 
So we humans cling to the same habits that we've seen ruin others' lives and is ruining our own. He says, this is just what sheep do. If on their own, if not being led into the path of righteousness, if not given a righteousness that is outside of their own, a transformation of mind and soul and heart and footsteps, what they will do is they'll just walk the same path until it becomes this treacherous gully of erosion. They'll eat the same plants till there are no more plants and they will kill themselves by their own habitual and foolish sin. And the Lord says, for my name's sake, what I will do is I will lift you out of sin and destruction and where you would have naturally walked, chasing life at your job, chasing life in relationship, chasing security in your bank accounts, and I will give you life in the righteousness of his own son. He'll place us on a path by his grace where we would have been dead, but he'll bring us to newness of life. We we were faithless, but he'll give us faith. We were unholy, but he'll give us his holiness. And he'll place us on this path in a way that then we will walk out of his grace in love for him and love for others, a path we never would have walked on our own. But now compelled by the love of Christ, by our shepherd to walk it for his name's sake, every, all the while saying, he's the reason I'm living for you and for others. He is my grace. He has given me life. What we maybe most see through this whole psalm, through this whole song, prayer, is that it's the Lord who is at work over and over by his grace, over and over initiating. Listen to the verbs, right? He makes me lie down. He leads me beside still water. He restores. He leads. You prepare. You anoint, right? Over and over again, the the good shepherd shows his goodness over and over again. See, uh, sheep, uh, sometimes as they're walking their path or, or they sit down to rest, they'll be cast down. Or cast out. And when a sheep is cast, here's what happens. He's sitting there and then, then he kind of rolls over a little bit at, to the point where his or her legs go up in the air. And they can't do anything about it. And they're left there helplessly to either starve to death over the coming days or be eaten uh, by an attacker. And, and the Lord, uh, the shepherd, comes over and has to exert himself and his kindness to lift them back up on his feet. No, he leads, he guides, he makes, he restores us who never ought to have been in his flock. So that even though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that even then, and even particularly then, will we know his presence, his goodness, his power, that our good shepherd never wastes a single tear. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Our shepherd never leaves us. He never leaves us. 
When you are in his flock by his grace, when he has made himself your shepherd and you are his sheep and you look at him and by faith you say, you are my shepherd. He never leaves your side, even in a valley. And by the way, the valley is always the best way through the mountains and up and over the mountains. The valley is always the path that we must walk to get over and through. And he says, I will walk with you then. And the valleys were particularly treacherous, uh, though they were the path over and through places to walk because uh, of attackers, because of weather and, and flash floods that might occur. And the shepherd says, I'll walk with you there in the depth of your singleness when you feel despair. I'll walk with you there when you birth a child who brings with him or her things that you do not think you can carry. I'll walk with you. I'll walk with you when your marriage is falling apart. You think you're in this valley and you're all alone. You'll never make it. I will walk with you. He is with us and he is not just with us in these moments. He is for us. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, two different instruments. The rod is that for beating of protection, right? Oh, uh, hitting away a lion or a jackal that might come to uh, kill and, and abuse the sheep. He says, I will crush the enemy, and he does. And then your staff, a, a staff of, of guiding and, and uh, providing for safety. Uh, the shepherd is so close with us in these moments. You know, shepherd... Uh, he would often name his sheep. He came to love them so deeply. The shepherds, sometimes when they would walk by the flock and, and the flocks had intermingled with other shepherds' flocks, uh, the shepherd would either a whistle, a certain whistle, or, or just speak to his sheep. And the sheep knew his name so well, they would just walk out with him. A shepherd with a staff, you know, he might take that crooked end of the staff and, and pull a sheep to safety. And, but then sometimes when they're walking in, in terms of guidance and protection, a shepherd would just lean a staff on, onto the side of one of his sheep. And it, 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 he would walk with him almost as if they're walking hand in hand. And you may feel like you're alone this morning. Would you know that your shepherd is with you? Would you know that he is with you? On the end of this valley, you will look back and see his presence, or you may still be in darkness, but he is with you walking all the way home. Into victory, he says, uh, when we will spend eternity with him. He says, I will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. A table, a, a mesa, even like at the top of these mountains where, where the sheep would graze. But then the image goes beyond that to a table of celebration and victory. When, when the victor is anointed in the cup, it, it just overflows. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. We will see the goodness and the mercy of our God. Even in the hardest of times, might we look back and know our shepherd was maybe even restraining and protecting from evils you didn't know existed? When things don't make sense, when it is really challenging, and I have known suffering along with you, would you know that he is with you? He's protecting you. 
He's guiding you. He's walking with you. And he will walk with you all the way to the end. He'll never leave you or forsake you. All the way until that day when you shall dwell, promise, in the house of the Lord forever. You shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And sheep don't come inside. He says, you're my son. (laughs) You're my daughter. Come on in. You're a part of my flock. Let's celebrate now and forever. In Revelation chapter 7, we get a picture of that table. Revelation chapter 7, verse 15. Therefore, there before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shield them with their presence, protection. They shall hunger no more and thirst no more, right? Uh, Hunger and thirst quenched. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. The lamb who is slain has become their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Might this be our perspective that that our eternity is dwelling with the Lamb who has become our shepherd, our Father who has become our Father, my shepherd, your shepherd, by the grace of the Son, by the Lamb who was slain in our place. See, sometimes we don't think that God wants us at the table with Him. We're too guilty. We're we're too full of doubt or or he left us a long time ago on this this path. And and I'm reminded of Luke chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and the sinners, they're all drawing near to hear Jesus. The tax collectors and the sinners. But the Pharisees, the scribes, the the clean ones around are, are saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told these fools, actually it says them, the Pharisees and the scribes, this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if you've lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after that one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. So, just so, I tell you. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. He says, come home, I want you at my table. You who are are following other shepherds, you who are seeking life in sin, you who are finding security somewhere else, I want you at my table. And he chases after us when we're running headlong away from him. He says, come home, and he rejoices over us. Our cup overflows. He anoints us with oil, and he says, now and forever would you be mine and enjoy being mine. I'm with you, walking with you to the end. How do we know that? I love how Jesus talks about himself as our shepherd in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, verse 7, and Jesus says to them, says to us, truly, truly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. All who came before me, they're thieves and robbers, but sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. 
The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the shepherd, the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He says it again. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for my sheep. He says, I really want you to hear this. He says it a third time. And no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I will be a shepherd who has given up my life for you. You want a more sure promise that I'll walk with you in this hard time towards the end when you'll sit at my table forever? I've given up my whole life for you when you should have been cast out, orphaned, left to die, cast out, down, legs up in the air. I came after you. I gave my life for you. I was cast out. I was killed. I was hung on a cross outside of the city. Jesus says, I am your good shepherd. This is exactly what our soul thirsts for, pants for. Psalm 42 says just like that, as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. Psalm 63 repeats the same kind of language, and and St. Augustine of Africa says it the same way. Uh, We find no satisfaction until we find it in the one whom our soul is made for, Jesus himself. What matters is our proximity to the shepherd. What matters is our proximity to the shepherd. You know, he might create a place of protection, a a building wall here, a building wall there, and and laying down his life across the gate for our very protection. But if we're not in the sheep pen, it doesn't matter. He, He may guide us into green pastures where we could feast But if we're not walking with him, it doesn't matter. He he might say, I have dug this deep well for you to enjoy uh, streams of living water myself. But if we're not close to him, we will not be satisfied. What matters is proximity to the shepherd. We will only enjoy and be protected and embraced by the shepherd if we're close to him. So how do we enjoy the shepherd? I want to give you just two very tangible ways that day in, day out, I've been enjoying the shepherd recently. Uh, the first has kind of been a lifelong journey, and it's, a, it's an obvious one. It's just feasting on his words. It's just drinking deep of him and his truth of who he is. It's him pouring out his mind, his heart, his ways to me in the scriptures. And, and I just want to give you a simple way. This is just how I've always read the scriptures. We've created tools for this on our resources page. You can grab them there. But I, it, every time, I just ask myself three questions. When I come to sit with my shepherd and learn from him and and be be loved by him, cared for him, protected by him, shaped into the paths of righteousness by him, I just simply first ask, what does it say? (laughs) What does it say? Reading through a piece of the Gospels or, or, or anywhere in an epistle or an Old Testament, I just say, what does it say? What's repeated? What are the themes? What's it talk about? What is What do I just jot down things that it says? And then I'll step back and I'll ask myself, okay, what does it mean? After I say, what does it say? And I jot down some notes and ideas and interact with my shepherd. I'll say, what does it mean? And I'll just try and summarize it in one sentence. What does this mean? And then, so that I don't stand apart from the scriptures, and, but instead I'm embraced by my Savior, I say, so what? 
So what? If this is what it says and this is what it means, what he's speaking to me in the scriptures, I just have to ask, so what? Is there something to do or not do differently? Is there something to believe or not believe, a sin to confess, right? Believe or not believe differently. And then is there someone to tell about this great truth of who my Savior is? That's what I do every time I'm in the scriptures sitting with my Savior, enjoying his pastures, his still waters of rest, close with him. I just say, what does it say? What does it mean? And so what? I find it helpful to write in a journal. A second, a very tangible way to sit with and drink deeply and walk closely with my Savior. And I would, I challenge every one of us to do both these things uh, this summer. It's kind of a, a liturgy, a life rhythm that I've built in this past year. It's a morning and evening rhythm. In the morning, I take this journal and I just write, okay, uh, Lord, I, I want you to lead me today. So, so in that vein, I just, I, I, three things. I commit, I submit, and I accept. And in the morning, I just write these things out. I, I commit, I submit, and I accept. First, I commit. I commit, Lord, I, I want to follow you today. I want to commit my life to you today. And then, Lord, I, I submit my plans to you. I know you may change them. <laughs> I, I know it may not go on the path that I think they uh, ought to go, but, but I submit these things to you. I, I, I've committed to you, and I submit uh, even the changes. Then, then simply I accept. I accept your grace. Right now I accept your grace, but I know, Lord, I'm going to screw this day up. I am prone to wander. <laughs> and I accept your grace now because it even compels me to commit and submit my life to you anew and afresh every morning. That's what I do in the morning, that he might lead me, right? And then in the evening, when my soul is all disjointed and I need my soul to be restored, here's what I do, three different words. I rejoice, I repent, and I receive. And as best as I can, I've been doing it in this journal, and I just, uh, I, I rejoice first. I say, man, there was nothing good about this day. Oh, but that, <laughs> Or even if I didn't feel your presence at all, it seemed to all go haywire. Maybe I rejoice over the fact that you kept something from me that was even more terrible. What is there to rejoice over? Because in discontent, you feel discord of your soul. But he restores our soul when we rejoice and find contentment in him. And then the second one, I, I repent. I say, because, right, your soul is in discord when you're in guilt or, or feel this weight of sin in your life. And, and so you repent. You say, Lord, forgive me for this thing I said or didn't say or did or didn't do. And, and I know I ought to have or I know I shouldn't have. But, but Lord, I, I ask for your forgiveness and I repent. I turn from that and I, I cling to you again. Would you restore my soul by your grace? And then lastly, I receive. I look back at the day and say, is there anything, Lord, that you want for me from this day that your spirit was whispering into my life and my ways? A doubt that I had, right, that was bringing discord in my life, but I, but I receive your truth. Or, or, or where, where I felt that you were not with me, but I received the fact, Lord, I, I know you're with me. Remind me you're with me. Or, Lord, this is too much to handle. I need your grace. And receive the truth that he's with me and he is sufficient. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He is our shepherd. He's my shepherd. He's your shepherd because our good shepherd laid down his life for us.
that he'd walk with us now in every high and every low. That he'd give us strength to rejoice, to repent, to receive his truth, and to to drink deeply from him and to walk closely with him over and over by his grace. And I, I pray that at the end of this summer, you would see in your life a pattern of morning and evenings, of, of sitting with your Savior and rejoicing over who he is and how gracious he is and all that he's done and how he is with you now, that you would say, I have no want because I have my Savior. Would you know him that deeply, that intimately this summer? And whatever you're walking in this morning. This morning, if you haven't received him, if you're not walking with your shepherd, if he's not your shepherd, this morning would you trust in Christ? If you're online listening and and you're giving your life to other shepherds this morning, would you give it to Jesus? And then I don't know what you're walking through or what you're headed into, but would you spend this moment rejoicing over your Savior, repenting over your sin or guilt, and receiving His grace. And would you know, man, He is with you this morning, walking wherever you're headed. Oh, what a Savior, the Lamb who's become our shepherd, making you His son or His daughter. Let's eat and rejoice and be satisfied in Him.